Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Three Down Nation podcast powered by Jiffy Lube. He's Justin Dunk and I'm John Hodge. Today, we're discussing Cody Fajardo feeling the CFL's talent is disrespected. The passing of Angelo King Kong Mosca, RIP. Duck laying an egg in Ottawa. And the CFL unveiling its most outstanding rookie list. But first, Mr. Hodge, the legendary Bob Irving has officially announced he'll be retiring from the C-Job radio broadcast booth for Winnipeg Blue Bombers games at the end of the season, ending a remarkable and, dare I say, iconic career in the peg. What does Bob mean to the province of Manitoba and the CFL overall? Well, I'll start off with what Bob means to me. I mean, I grew up listening to Bob Irving on the radio. I kind of feel like he narrated my childhood, right? When I was, you know, by the time I was in my late teens, you could catch most games on television but growing up right local blackouts you know different things here there when the cfl's television rights were maybe a little bit more dodgy than they are now oftentimes we would listen to bob not just for the pre and post game but my family would listen to all of the games in their entirety and that was something that you know i grew to love radio is a dying art form but that doesn't mean that radio hasn't played a remarkably important part in people's lives. And it still obviously plays a very important part in many people's lives. Hearing Bob on the radio, Bob just sounds like CFL football. And that might sound cheesy to say, but hearing Bob Irving on the radio feels right. It's like peanut butter and jelly. Bob Irving, the CFL radio, it's just one perfect package. And I can't explain it any better than that. I mean, we're talking about a broadcaster who's in every meaningful Hall of Fame and has received the Order of Manitoba, which is just, you know, a, a listing of, of his remarkable accomplishments. People who have been to the press box at IG Field will also know that the Media Center is named after Bob Irving. He's working in the Media Center that's named after him at IG Field. So I think Bob deserves all the accolades that have come his way. Unbelievably iconic person professional and he's going to be dearly missed in bomberland yeah it's well said hodgin i wanted to get your take on it right away because of course you grew up there a big blue bombers fan so bob irving is a legend and i felt like that's where we needed to start overall i mean i can only speak as an outsider but one of the things that stands out most to me when you hear people talk about bob irving is the fact that you can't find somebody to say a bad word about a guy now i hesitate to say that sometimes you know especially about people within the cfl and players and coaches and people in the front offices because we don't really know them very well but i think what bob irving has done over the years is allowed people to feel like they know him with his calls and with what he does in terms of radio broadcasting and the show that he does 
shows, I should say, that he does on C-Job as well. So to me, that almost stands out more, if it's even possible, than his accomplishments of calling over 800 Blue Bomber games, like he's been doing it for well over 40 years. And there was a part of me that wondered, you know, did he want to try to get to 50? But it just seems like a perfect time optically because the Blue Bombers are going to host the West Final for what, the first time since, what's the year, Hodge? 1972. Way back. That's even before Bob started calling the game. So to guarantee that fact that potentially your last game could be at IG Field, and ideally, obviously the Bombers are hoping that's a great cup, I think was a perfect way to go out. And the team is fully on board. I mean, they've embraced him from a social media perspective. And obviously, he's an analyst on their website as well. And the fact that they're going to have a pregame ceremony before that game I think is just fitting all around. So the organization, C-Job, everyone here has done a wonderful job in terms of giving Bob Irving the send-off he deserves. Yeah, and I'll add one more thought before I move on, and that is in the city of Winnipeg, and I tweeted this when this news was made official on Tuesday, Bob had made it pretty clear that the 2021 season was going to be his last going into it. That said, he did tell Ed Tate on the Blue Bombers website that he did at times consider saying, okay, well, maybe maybe I could do one more year. And I don't think there's any doubt Bob could do more years if he wanted to, uh, but this is his choice. This is his time, and I respect that. But when people learn, right, I meet people and they learn that I cover the Bombers in the CFL, I don't get asked about Mike O'Shea first or Andrew Harris first or Zach Kolaris first. The first person I get asked about is Bob, which I think speaks volumes about how beloved he is in the city of Winnipeg and the province of Manitoba. People reach out to me and say, but what is Bob Irving really like? Or, oh, have you met Bob? You must have met him. That's so cool. And the fact that he's a broadcaster who's arguably the biggest star <laughs> right, uh, in the in the hearts and minds of the people in Manitoba, I just think says so much about him. Bob, we're going to miss you. And uh, I sure hope we don't hear, we haven't heard the last of you. Even if you're done on the radio, I hope that we still get to hear and see you in all kinds of different places, whether or not it's related to the CFL. The most intriguing part of all this to me is that Bob Irving is originally from Regina, Saskatchewan, and he's become a Manitoban synonymous with all of the big figures there. And you listen to him on the football side, obviously, but you had Mayor Bowman the other day saying Bob Irving for mayor. So, you know, maybe he's still got some other careers he wants to pursue, but I find that fact fascinating that he came from the Prairie province beside him and has embedded himself as a true Winnipegger and Manitoban. Well, when people are from Regina, we don't always hold it against them, right? And Bob is one of those guys. <laughs> Bob's one of those guys. Dunkster, Rough Riders quarterback Cody Fajardo feels people don't respect the talent in the CFL and blames the year off in 2020 for the lack of offense this season. Scoring is down by almost six points since 2019 in the CFL and now trails NFL scoring by over three points per game. Do you agree with Fajardo? Well, on one point I do, that people don't respect it, the talent in the CFL enough. That is certainly hashtag big facts. But on the flip side, I don't think it's as easy as just blaming the year off because this has been a downward trend in terms of the points per game 
over recent seasons. And you mentioned it a little bit there. If you go back to 2017, the NFL averaged 43.4 points per game. The CFL, 53.1. So that's almost a 10-point gap. But now in 2021, we have the NFL averaging more points per game than the CFL. So to me, it's not necessarily to do with the lack of talent up here. I think it's the change in talent. The Lamar Jacksons of the world 20 years ago would have been in the CFL. Those unique talents, you know, some of the smaller running backs, perhaps some of the smaller receivers that are dynamic returners. You know, we've seen Brandon Banks obviously have his success as a receiver and returner in this league, but more and more we're seeing those guys star in the NFL or at least have the opportunity to do so where that didn't happen in the past. Like it's only recently, and I think Russell Wilson is the name that comes to mind for me, where he was on a CFL negotiation list. Like that wasn't too long ago when Wilson was coming out of NC State and then ended his NCAA career at Wisconsin and people were talking about his height and it being used against him. Now, he ended up being a mid-round pick in the NFL and has gone on to have a great career. But it's not all that long ago that that discussion was still being had. Now, lately, we've seen Kyler Murray, who would be categorized in old school form as an undersized quarterback, go number one overall. Baker Mayfield, I would put in that group as well. He's not your prototypical six foot six guy that stands in the pocket and slings the rock that the NFL used to have, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago. But I think that's only one of the issues overall, Haji. I'm curious your take in terms of why the points have been down so much since 2017 and even going back farther. You can go back to the mid-90s. The points are down almost 20 points a game from the 90s. Yeah, and I, I think guys like Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, you, who you have outlined is a great explanation for why NFL scoring has increased. The NFL has also borrowed a ton of things from the Canadian Football League that that had the CFL scoring a bajillion points, as you said, especially through the 1990s during the offensive heyday of this league. That explains why the NFL scoring is up. To me, that plays a maybe a small role in why CFL scoring is down. I do think Cody Fajardo has outlined a key factor. I do think that scoring will be up somewhat, at least in 2022, just given the fact that we've broken in two sets of rookies, right? We have two rookie classes, Canadians and Americans in the league this year. And and Craig Dickinson has said it, the biggest jump in this league, and he's been coaching here for 20 years, is from year one to year two. So I think 2021 is a bit of a break-in year. Okay, no preseason games. These rookies have to go in. We have two sets of them at once, and we're going to see a big you know, maturation process from year one to year two for all of them in 2022. But I think the other factor at play here is the CFL's operations cap. The CFL operations cap came into effect, I believe it was three years ago, and scoring has steadily decreased since then. I think the level of coaching and the level of scouting in this league is taken a turn for the worse, and I think that's resulted in a more conservative game that does not put players in as good of a chance to succeed. And to me, and I'm not, by the way, I'm not bad-mouthing coaching or personnel staff or, or scouts because they're doing what they can with the resources they have, right? They, they got $2 million to spend on front office staff this year. That is not enough, 
right? That's down from two and a half. They need to get rid of this cap or alter it in such a way that teams can bring in new coaches because all this cap has done is pushed out top coaches or it's had people at the top of organizations, not every team, but some teams where the GMs and the head coaches want to scoop up all the money and they pay their assistants these pitiful little amounts and all it does is is just kill the development of coaches, which then hurts the product. And that's the issue there is the investment into the product. Now, I'm not saying that has to do with the players or the ability of the coaches, as you outlined, or even the people that go out to find the talent. It's the fact that the football operations cap has been cut down, yet we don't see a business operations cap, right? It continues to be the football departments that have to take the cuts, but we don't physically see anyone on the business side and people will say you know the president's taking those cuts I mean Randy Ambrosi the commissioner came out and said that he took you know a small pay cut let's term it and that the presidents around the league did as well but they're still being paid more than anybody on the football operations side so if you're the CFL this is an issue and Hodge I know you had an insider talk that there's some discussion in league circles that they might chop the football operations cap down even more. And I would strongly advise the CFL not do that because if you do, you're going to continue to see your game be less entertaining. I hate to say it, but the NFL, you're right, Hodge, has taken a lot of things from the CFL and the NCAA and installed them and has had a bunch of shootout games. Now, there's also a point to be made where there's more games per week in the NFL than the CFL where normally there's just four in the regular season in Canada. So if you have one dud of a game, it stands out more. I understand that fact. But when you put the numbers together and you look at points per game, we're used to thumping out our chests or puffing out our chests or doing jumping bumps about how entertaining the Canadian game is. And the numbers bear it out, at least in points per game, that it's going the wrong direction. So the league needs to, I would argue, invest more in the talent and development side of it instead of taking more money away. Yeah, and I get that financial budgets are tight coming out of COVID, but if you're going to... And, and the reason that the operations cap, I think, is where teams will target is players have a union, right? You have to, you have to collectively bargain player salaries and the salary cap and the salary floor. With the operations cap, these guys have nothing. Coaches, personnel, people, scouts have no union. You can do whatever you want if you're the CFL. But slashing that is going to save a penny today, and then it's going to cost you a dollar tomorrow because your product in the long term is going to continue to get worse. It's going to continue to get less exciting, and people are just going to say, oh, well, I used to watch the CFL because it had all the high-flying action. Well, now the NFL is like that, so why would I bother with the CFL? Right, The CFL has to be a brighter, more energized, more exciting product than the NFL because the NFL has all the glitz and glamour that comes with simply being the NFL. So don't worry about saving the penny today. Spend the penny now, invest that extra money in the salary operations cap, and then we'll get a better product moving forward because I think that is... In addition to the year off, that is the biggest factor. But scoring was down even in 2019. People forget that. Yes, it's down a lot in 2021. But I think the operations cap is to blame. Dunkster, we got to take a quick break. We'll come back and chat about the Calgary Stampeders. (laughs) 
Youngster, the Calgary Stampeders have brought back Reggie Bagleton and Trey Roberson, both of whom were All-Stars in 2019. The Stamps are sending a clear message to Bo Levi Mitchell. We are going for it. Can Calgary win the Grey Cup? They got Bo Levi Mitchell at quarterback, so absolutely there's a possibility. Now, we haven't seen Reggie Bagleton on the field yet with Bo Levi Mitchell, but I would imagine they could get that rapport back together fairly quickly. I think that's going to be the major part of this is that that Calgary offense needs to be better. And Mitchell has said it a bunch of times and he's joked about it a little bit that he needs to stop throwing interceptions overall. But I think what ended up happening here is John Huffnagel saw his group in need of an infusion of talent. And to be quite honest, I know for a fact with both players, he got off his wallet a little bit to make sure those guys were in the room. And as long as you're in the dance, you know, we've seen it time and time again, Hodge, where the team that gets hot at the end of the year, doesn't matter their record, and the Stampeders are in in around 500, and that's probably where they're going to finish the regular season. As long as you're playing your best football at the end of the year, anything can happen. And I would argue that, you know, outside of that outlier of a loss the Winnipeg Blue Bombers had in Toronto, the Calgary Stampeders pushed them to the limit, or were the one team, I should say, that pushed them to the limit at home when Jake Merritt was quarterback. So I think, actually, Calgary has the best shot of knocking off Winnipeg. I'm not saying they're going to do it, but I think if they get it going here and Mitchell finds that rhythm, especially with Bagleton and Trey Roberson provides that shutdown coverage like we're used to and starts forcing turnovers, that Calgary can be right there battling Winnipeg in a tight ball game to potentially go to the Grey Cup. Yeah, I see Calgary visiting Winnipeg in the West Final. I do think they are the second best team in that division. I will say this, though. There was somebody on this podcast in the preseason, or at least before the 2021 season, saying that Calgary's receiving core wasn't good enough. That person may or may not have gotten flack for saying that, and that person (laughs) may or may not want to right now say, I told you so. I told you so. That's part of the reason they went out and got Bagleton. So try to shore it up for the playoffs. The CFL unveiled its list of 167 players who are eligible to win the league's most outstanding rookie award. Who do you think should take it home? Well, let's start off with some honorable mentions. I think Peter DeCastro, first-round pick out of the University of Calgary, did a lot of great things moving along the offensive line in Toronto. Unfortunately, he's out with a knee injury right now. I also think Jake Mayer and Taylor Cornelius deserve some props. Taylor Cornelius, as much as Edmonton still doesn't win and evidently never wins at home, he has improved. He's now got six touchdown passes to six interceptions. He completed 60% of his passes for over 300 yards against Saskatchewan with a very injured supporting cast, right? No Greg Ellingson, no Darrell Walker, no James Wilder Jr. in that game, but gave the Riders a contest. So those are the three guys I want to give props to. But to me, the choice out of the East Division is clear. It's Sean Oakman, the six foot nine defensive tackle of the Toronto Argonauts. He's got six sacks. That's good for second league wide among interior defensive linemen and then coming out of the west dunkster it's going to be interesting we've got jordan williams the sensational middle linebacker of the bc lions you've got kian schaefer baker from your alma mater of guelph university who's been sensational in riderville and then you've got deandre alford who came as a completely unknown entity into Winnipeg and replaced Winston Rose like Rose had never left, playing that cornerback spot on the boundary at an all-star level. So of those three in the West, I'm not sure who to pick. I'm curious to know who you would pick. 
it's easy for me, man. Jordan Williams has got to be the dude, right? To step in as a rookie in the CFL, and yes, Canadian, I think, helps him overall. But to do what he's done with the BC Lions, and you know, there's been some rookie mistakes, and there's always going to be that, and he still has a lot to learn. But I think the fact that he was able to, from day one, be the starter there in the middle, make the calls and the checks for that young defense. And yes, the Lions are sort of lagging here at the end of the season, but I think it's Williams. And to me, the other guy that might really give him a push is Keen Schaefer-Baker. He's come out of nowhere to be an absolute star for that Rough Riders offense that was looking for the deep ball and provided some of those before Shaq Evans and Duke Williams were back added to the team. So I think it's Williams, but you could make an argument for some of the other guys you mentioned. Yeah, and I also think that team ta- or team standings, team records could play a factor as well because we all know, you know, if you if the Bombers, let's say they finish thirteen and one, that's going to work to their advantage at at awards time. Whereas you know a team like BC that's probably going to miss the playoffs, it might hurt them. I would probably pick Williams too, but man, it's a shame Key and Shaper Baker didn't get into the starting lineup earlier. This is a guy who started the season on the PR dunkster. If he got in there earlier, I think he wins not only most outstanding rookie. But he's got a shot at most outstanding Canadian. Dunkster, Angelo Mosca, and you are a, of course, Southern Ontario boy, passed away at the age of 84 this past week following a battle with Alzheimer's. What does his legacy mean to the people of Steeltown? Oh, it's bigger than words, man. Like when Angelo Mosca used to show up at training camp practice or regular season practices or games, playoff games, what have you, in Hamilton, it was just always more special. And head coach Orlando Steinauer used the words comforting. And I understand what he means in that sense, because whenever Mosca showed up, you felt like it was just something that was even bigger. Right. And I think the comforting factor came from the fact that he wasn't a guy that was very arrogant or egotistical. Now, I know everyone's seen the famous clip that went viral with him and Joe Cap on the stage at the Grey Cup. Moscow was a fierce competitor, but the Ticats, he loved that franchise. He loved that team. He loved to be around as much as possible. And anyone that came through those doors, he treated literally like a family member, from all I can gather. So, him in the area, he's just beloved there. He was one of those, I think, rare figures in the CFL that was larger than life, that you hear the tales about him and obviously his wrestling career and then what he did on the football field and how he continued it over the years. Like He was pretty much ever-present whenever he was healthy enough to be out and about and around the team. So there are a lot of people that are really thankful for the time that he's put in with the franchise. And Simone Lawrence talked about it as well, that if he showed up, didn't matter if it was practice, a game, playoffs, whatever the heck it was, you were more locked in because you knew Mosca was going to be watching you, and especially on defense because that's what he played. So he leaves a lasting legacy, one that, dare I say, will be remembered as long as the team is around in Hamilton. Yeah, I can't speak to Mosca's legacy because I'm I'm not from Hamilton and I never had the good fortune of meeting Mr. Mosca, but I'll say this, I think it's brilliant the way that he and the Ticats preserved that relationship and made that relationship work for the long term because more teams I think need to do a better job of connecting to their history and keeping alumni especially members of the alumni as important as a player like Angelo Mosca a living legend a hall of famer attached 
and part of that team and that community. Amen, Haji. Duck Hodges laid an egg in his first start as a CFL quarterback, completing just 8 of 22 passes for 90 yards, also rushed for 25 yards on four carries. Is there any reason to believe he's going to get better? And Hodge, further to that, why in the heck did they start Hodges over Caleb Evans, who looks like a dude, and not give Hodges more time to get used to the CFL game? I mean, I, th- I think the reason they started him in their you know last home game is pretty simple. They want to make people excited for the 2022 season, right? It's not, not necessarily a football decision, maybe as much as a PR decision. And if that's the case, and that's that's me speculating, that was my thought process watching the game. But a better advertisement for your team rather than, you know, Duck Hodges playing is a win. And they didn't get that. The Argos played terribly in that game. And the Red Blacks could still knock him out ahead. They got the touch. They got the return touchdown from Devontae Dedman, and that was still not enough. Duck Hodges did not play behind a brilliant offensive line. That offensive line, I believe, fielded its twelfth different iteration in fourteen games. They had a, a number of rookies along that offensive line that did not do him any favors. But no, he did not look any better than Caleb Evans. And I appreciate that Caleb Evans has run the ball well. He had that brilliant first start against Edmondson, but I think he's actually regressed. I don't mind the decision to sit Evans. I just think they maybe should have waited for Duck to get the reins until he was maybe a little more polished, maybe a little more ready to play in a real CFL game and start and finish it against a tough defense. That's what I'm saying. Let him have as much time as possible. Maybe start him in the last game of the regular season. On the flip side of it, I can understand a little bit that Paul Apolis feels like time is running out on the year and they want to evaluate these guys and they have seen Evans a bunch. But, you know, there's been times where Evans has flashed, you know, multiple occasions and you think that, hey, yo, this guy could be a legitimate CFL starter. Now, still a long way to go, but to throw Hodges in there early, as you mentioned, against one of the best defenses in the CFL. Not going to be good for his confidence. Hopefully Hodges can bounce back from it because he has intriguing potential in the CFL based mostly off what he did in the NCAA and, you know, a little bit in the NFL. So hopefully he can overcome the adversity of this first bad start. After the Riders closed their win over Edmondson, the Elks were officially winless for the first time ever at home. Dunkster, how sad is that for Elks fans? <laughs> Man, to be quite honest, it's very sad for the Elks, but I'm just more surprised about Cody Fajardo talking about criticism and getting no credit and the comments that he's read on social media and just mainly that he's even on the interwebs reading this stuff and that it bothers him. Like Edmonton's obviously a mess, but the fact that the riders were even close with them in that ball game and there was a chance, dare I say, at the end that Edmonton was putting on a little bit of a comeback. So to me, I just can't understand why Fajardo hasn't shut down his account and not even read these comments and actually lets it get to them that i can't understand yeah if it bothers you you need to change the password to your twitter account and then give it to somebody else don't don't read it go go back after the season social media will be a lot more fun if the riders win a playoff game or or even make a great cup run right 
that that would be my suggestion to Cody Fajardo if it bothers him. Just stay off of it. Uh, to me, they're three. Yeah, they've won three straight games on the road. That's not easy to do. But you know, the first one was their third game in a row against Calgary, which is a big advantage. Their second one was against Matt Schultz in Montreal, and this one was against Ottawa. So you know, or or pardon me, it was against Edmonton. So to me, it it's not a terribly impressive run. I have Saskatchewan currently at fifth in my power rankings ballot. They ended up higher on the general three down one. Let's see how this team does in the final week of the season against Hamilton. To me, that would be a good measuring stick game because they're back at home this week against Edmonton. Mind you, that game against Hamilton is likely not going to mean anything. So to me, you know, yeah, okay, good for you. You won three road games in a row, but to me, they're, they're not the most impressive wins. That team has not broken 20 plus points since I believe it was the beginning or mid middle of October, five straight games. They haven't broken over 20 points. That's not good enough, especially considering they got Shaq Evans and Duke Williams in that offense. Agreed, my man, just shut it down. Don't read your social media. Focus on what you got to do and getting that offense over 20 points. To me, it's simple. We got to take a quick break, Dunkster. When we come back, it'll be time for Hodges. Heritage Moment. On this day in 2017, Nico DeFonte connected on the longest field goal in U-Sports history at 59 yards. The attempt came on the final play of the Hardy Cup, sealing a 44-43 victory for the Calgary Dinos over the UBC Thunderbirds. DeFonte went unselected in the 2020 CFL draft, but had his rights claimed by the Toronto Argonauts following the annual Pickfest. He is currently a free agent. If you have not seen the video of Nico DeFonte's 59-yard field goal, do yourself a favor. Google it. That's N-I-K-O-D-I-F-O-N-T-E. Field goal, 59 yards. It'll blow your mind and make your day. It was unbelievable, man. It made ESPN's top plays of that day. And we got to remember how cold it can get out west and how cold it was that day in Calgary when he hit that ball. Like, Nobody thought he had a chance to put that ball through the uprights just based on the weather. And you can hear the sound when he hits that ball. And it just crosses over the crossbar for an epic kick that will never be forgotten in Calgary Dinos history. And if you ever want unbelievable service, you got to take your vehicle to Jiffy Lube. In Manitoba right now, we are expecting a foot of snow by the end of Remembrance Day, you got to get those winter tires on. You got to get that vehicle winterized. Take it to Jiffy Lube. You'll be in and out in a Jiffy. Great service always. Yikes, Hodge. That's a lot of snow. I don't know if that's coming to southern Ontario quite yet, but you still got to be prepared for it. And you want to make sure that your car is going to start up as these mornings get chillier and chillier no matter where you are in the country. So get that fresh oil change. Get a fresh filter in there. Make sure all your fluids are topped up so you're ready to rock when winter hits you unexpectedly. All right, Dunkster. It's time for the three-minute drill. Powered by Jiffy Lube. Charles Egger is no longer with the Red Blacks after allegedly making insensitive comments to French Canadian players. Is that a big deal? It is. In this day and age, you need to treat everyone the same. And we're talking about equality, right? You have the 
Black Lives Matter movement and many other various ways to treat people equally. So I think that this is a perfect example right in front of us in the CFL that we can all learn from. It's not all right. The CFL fined Simone Lawrence for a high hit on James Wilder Jr. and JWJ for throwing a WWE-style tackle on Lawrence in Week 13. Will number 21 for the Titans ever stop these kind of hits? I hope he does because Simone's one of the best defensive players of this generation, but these hits seem to happen more often with him than others. Michael Riley complained that the radio communications at Tim Hortons Field weren't working consistently. Is that a big deal? I mean, it could be, and I understand in this day and age that everybody relies on technology, and you also have the iPads on the sidelines that everybody looks at to review the film and see what you were looking at in terms of the offense or defense or special teams the last series. But if headsets fail, just go old school, man. Use this signaling or run a guy in and out of the huddle. To me, it's very easy to get around. Former CFL receiver Josh Bowden was convicted of second-degree murder in the killing of ex-girlfriend Kimberly Hallgarth. What a sad story, Any hug? It's awful, right? We rely on football players to be leaders in the community. It's very unfortunate. Uh, the sentencing won't happen for a few months. We don't know exactly what's going to happen with Josh Bowden, but reading some of the details of the case now that he's been convicted of second-degree murder, awful, awful. He deserves to go away for a very long time. Devontae Dedman shattered Henry Gizmo Williams' record, recording his first five career return touchdowns in just 15 career games. Could Dedman be the CFL's next legendary returner? Yo, it's highly possible, man. The soft-spoken superstar. We could dub him because he looks like he's going to be a good one in our league for a long time if the NFL doesn't come and take him away. The Stamps released Josh Huff following the signing of Reggie Begel-Begelton. Makes sense, right? Well, yeah. As a depth move, I get it. They've had some injuries. I think that makes sense for the Argos. The Elks finished winless at home for the first time in franchise history. Dunkster, when are they going to get their first win as the Elks at home? Dude. It's hard-pressed to even say where they could find a win in 2022, especially if this current regime is there because they're going to be putting a new quarterback on the field. So... Let's see how the Elks do in the offseason here before we start making any predictions. Fair enough. Regina native John Ryan and his family honored their late father with a $200,000 scholarship donation to his alma mater, the U of R Rams. How kind is that? It's excellent. And this is the kind of leadership, right, we're looking for in our professional football players. Brilliant, brilliant work by John Ryan and his family. Chris Streveler got into Sunday's game against the San Francisco 49ers, taking two snaps and rushing for two yards. Will we see more of him with the Cardinals this year? I hope so, but as long as Kyler Murray is healthy, he's going to have a roster spot and be the starter, obviously. And then they signed Colt McCoy for veteran insurance as a backup behind him. So maybe Streveler gets on the roster as that third quarterback, but it's hard to see unless they're going to carve out more of a short yardage role for him. Lou Lewis Ward signed a contract extension with Ottawa. Is that a surprise that the Red Blacks won bring back? No, not at all. Granted, he missed three field goals the game after signing the contract extension, but the check had already been cashed. Joke's on Ottawa. No, I'm just kidding. He's an Ottawa lifer. He's one of the best kickers in the CFL. Great re-signing for them as they look to build towards 2022. We thank you, as always, for listening to the Three Down Nation podcast. We'll see you next Wednesday.
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.